Welcome to the Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons, helping you boost your health, energy, and productivity. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Thrive TV Show. I'm Lauren Parsons, a wellbeing specialist, and today I am joined by Alicia Mackay, who is a strategist and a leadership coach. Hi, Alicia. Hello, how's it going? Very well, really looking forward to speaking to you. And today we're talking all about boundaries, which I think is such a fantastic topic and will always, always be relevant. So Alicia said she's going to share with us today how to take responsibility, responsibility, two words with a hyphen, how to choose guilt over resentment and why guilt is selfish, but boundaries are generous. So I love the sound of that. So before we dive into that, Alicia, can I just do my this and that questions with you? Go for it. Fantastic. So tell me, spots or stripes? Oh, neither. I hate patterns. I'm a very plain woman. Okay, nice. Cats or dogs? Oh, I just got a puppy. Do you want me to show you the puppy? Yes, show yes, show us the puppy. And if you're not watching, it's com. if you're listening to the podcast. Imagine a little ginger. That doesn't even look like a dog. Hi, Ginger. Um, so I'd probably so far say I don't know, actually, because I have a lovely cat and he's very low maintenance. And whereas the dog is much nicer to me, but requires a lot of attention. I'm not doing a very good job of this so far, am I? Yeah, he's supposed to be short and sweet, <laughs> but that's all right. You get bonus points because whenever we get foo babies on the show, that's that's always bonus. <laughs> I get points for bets. All right. Nice. Uh, would you say logical or creative? Oh, uh, creative. Okay, nice. Would you rather be on a mountaintop or a beachfront? mountaintop because when I can be bothered I'm a trail runner and it's very special to be up in the mountains because you usually oh here's a good reason because you're far more likely to be on your own on a mountaintop whereas on the beach Mm. if it's a nice enough day to be at the beach there's other people there nice bit of a solitary time out in nature nice uh burgers or pizza Mm, burgers but without the bun okay and cake or chocolate chocolate every time no (laughs) Okay, beautiful, fantastic. So nice to just get to know you in a quick far way. So Alicia Mackay is the founder of Not an MBA and Meetings That Matter. She's an expert in strategy, change and leadership, author, speaker, teacher and coach to some of New Zealand and Australia's most senior leaders. Alicia keeps it real when it comes to work. So tell me, why is it that you think boundaries are important? Well... I think we are currently, and you'll know this, you're the well-being chick, we are all currently so overwhelmed and busy. Like, I don't know anyone in my personal or professional life that wouldn't respond that they're busy at the moment. And while I think we are transitioning away from, you know, kind of a social norm that thinks busy's cool, I think we no longer think busy is cool. Yes. But we're still really busy. And the last couple of years, which has been mad with lockdowns and working from home and pandemics, I reckon has been the straw that's broken the camel's back for a lot of people that's taken busy to burnout. And I've never seen so much coverage or hashtagging on burnout as I have in the last year. And I reckon it's everywhere. And not just because it's the zeitgeist, but because we are not coping. And so I reckon um, a lot of the advice that's available to us when it comes to coping with burnout is pretty short-term stuff you know meditate go for a walk take a 10-minute break set a timer and I'm a big fan of change that sticks 
And those things require you to pull out your willpower every day and remember to do it every day. Boundaries are a decision that you make once and then you stick to. Mm-hmm. So can you give me an example? Give me some an example of what are the sorts of boundaries you recommend to clients that you think could be really helpful? Yeah, totally. So I often like to say that I think boundaries are values on legs. So you can't set boundaries if you don't know what you're doing it for. Or as Simon Sinek often says, if you don't know why, you don't care how, right? So unless you have an idea about what you're moving towards and what you need to protect, it's really challenging to set boundaries because you do, you say, you know, I I don't take my phone at dinner or I'll never miss um, family bedtime or I never miss my workout or whatever your boundary is. But if it's not fully hooked into something that you are really clear matters to you, you're way more likely to compromise it. So Mm. step one is usually to work out what your values are and the best way to figure out the values you need to protect are to work out what's pissing you off. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling resentful or you're feeling um, taken advantage of, you're feeling overwhelmed or overburdened, lean into that, work out where it is that you're currently experiencing the most grief. And that's where you need to set a boundary. From there, it's actually quite simple. You just pick a personal policy. So it might be, I work with people that need to set boundaries around family. I work with leaders who need to set boundaries around their time, particularly their calendar we live in meeting madness, uh, but also around how much they help their team. So if you're naturally an empath, so you're naturally quite a people person, it's often a sort of a badge of honour, you know, to always be available, always have an open door, never say no. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the kind of behaviour that trips you up at a certain point. You know, strengths overused generally become weaknesses. Yes. And so whatever your boundary needs to be, I can't tell you, there's no cheat sheet, unfortunately, Mm-hmm. But have a look at what really matters to you and what you're feeling a bit pissed off about at the moment. And I reckon you'll figure mm-hmm. it out. Mm. I was just reading your fantastic, I think it was an article about this and and you sort of had a an exercise of going through and writing those things down. So mm-hmm. I'll make sure that that link is down below as well. Right. So literally, if you haven't already, do go to thrivetvshow.com, click through to this episode and you'll see all the links below and it just was a really clear process like you say for people to work through what are the things that are annoying you right now what is overburdening you and that will actually lead you to come up with I like that your personal policy oh totally because you can't argue with a personal policy Mm -hmm. it doesn't it's not a matter of opinion it's not up for debate so if you try to justify and that's I mean that's a trap in itself is when people feel like they need to apologize for or over justify their decisions I'm really sorry but it's just that um you know my daughter's got her presentation that night and it's been a hard week and you know you can do that yes. um or you can try to justify it by going you know they say that um they say that if you use your phone an hour before bed then you get cancer and so I'm not using my phone you don't need to do that yeah that, creates opportunity for discussion when you got a personal policy you just say things like I don't work on Tuesdays Mm -hmm. I'm always home for dinner I don't check emails after 6 p.m whatever Mm -hmm. that is go that's my policy yeah I love it and I love it when people broadcast that in their signature block as well oh I love that too email signature yeah I don't check emails at the time or I only check emails three times a day if you need to reach me urgently because it just sends this message that not that you're an irresponsible person, but that you're highly responsible, that you're clear on your values, that you're spelling it out and you're actually leading the example for other people as well. Oh, bang on, right? So 
you've touched on something quite earlier that I think is really important, which are that boundaries are quite generous. They're a gift to others. So what I reckon is when you are feeling really guilty and really resentful and you're holding on to everything, that feels like you're being a good person. feels like you're being a martyr. The number one reason that people tell me they don't want to say no or they don't want to draw the line is because they don't want to look like a dick or because they don't want to upset others or they don't want to give others more work or they think, that their family or their boss won't cope. And I reckon that's really rude because you're denying the other person in this equation the ability to respond, right? You're taking their agency away from them. Like there's two columns, there's your bit and there's their bit and you're trying to have it all. And it's actually not flash. It's a control thing. And you can't control how the other person's going to feel. But if you deny them the opportunity at all, uh, what you're also doing is robbing them of their own resilience and accountability and growth and all the stuff that comes from having to deal with that change. Yeah. And you're not going to feel better for it and neither are they. So the other one that um, someone told me the other day was, yeah, but when I choose resentment, uh, you know, at least the other person doesn't know, you know, if I'm feeling guilty, that means they're also suffering. <laughs> I'm like, you really think they don't know? You really think your kids don't know when you resent them? Your partner doesn't know? Your colleagues don't know. They bloody well know, except they don't know why, because you haven't respected them enough to explain it. You've just walked around with a chip on your shoulder, barely concealed, probably. Yeah, and that's right, that whole martyr complex that does come across in the way that we... Yeah, respond to others. I know. Oh, honestly, that- I reckon mums are the worst for it too. Like, I don't know if you've got this problem, Lauren, but I'm like the classic martyr because my mum was a martyr. Uh, and so that's, you know, ingrained. And I'm always walking around like, oh, nobody appreciates how much I do for them, you know, and nobody helps around this bloody house and, you know, all the stuff that comes out mum's mouths. And it's like, do you know what? Who's that actually for? Because your kids don't give a shit most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's just for your own ears. Yeah, and I think it's helpful to tell people that it's selfish behaviour because it usually gets to them. Like the people that I find struggle mm. the most with setting boundaries um, are either people that don't feel very good about themselves, so you don't feel like you're worth protecting, or people that think they're impossibly um, attention out, you know, super generous or super helpful. And so if I tell them they're being selfish, it stops them in their tracks. They're like, what? Yeah. Not me? yeah you don't mean to be you're great you're doing your best but unfortunately that's quite selfish behavior yeah I love it that's one thing I often share in a different context when I'm talking about where people know that they should take time out to do what refuels them what recharges them what brings them joy yet they always end up at the bottom of the list because Mm. often as human beings when we think of taking time just for ourselves we feel like oh that's selfish and then we feel guilty and as you know guilt is one of those emotions we do anything we can to move away from and so if you've got the tape playing and you hear that oh taking time for me is selfish then you'll never ever do it. You're constantly self-sabotage. So I talked to people about the fact that if you don't actually take time for you to fill up your cup to overflowing, then you end up going around being that grumpy, impatient, less than your best version of yourself. And that is actually selfish. So I love that it's a slightly different angle, but it's that same thing. I often say, you know, that's tough love from me to you if you're listening and thinking, whew, it's a bit harsh, Lauren, but that's the truth. And it's also the thing that unlocks giving you the freedom to go actually yeah if I don't do this that is selfish because I'm going to be grumpy Lauren grumpy mum grumpy wife I'm actually going to go out for that walk right now and clear my head and get some sunlight and get some fresh air because I really need to do this not just for me but for everyone it's a funny one isn't it because on the one hand it's like I've got this um kind of innate 
feminist allergy to the idea that the only way we can justify looking after ourselves is if it's in service of others. And I think, for God's sake, do we have to keep pushing ourselves in that bloody role where the only way we can feel good about just enjoying ourselves is because it's good for work or good for the kids or good for someone else. And I think, well, fuck that. Mm. Like your birthright is to feel good, right? You just, you just get to feel good. You don't have to earn that. However, I'm also on the other side of the fence going, well, I'm also a big believer in, um, someone said to me the other day, I think it was Lisa O'Neill, profit from your pathology. And I went, ooh, and it's this idea of just hacking whatever it is that drives you. And if a sense of guilt is often what drives you, cool, hack that and do exactly what you've just said, which is Mm. if you don't create the space to be creative or to look after your own well-being or to learn or whatever it is you need space for, you're being selfish. And the the leadership uh, example of that is often, I say, look, when you are cleaning up other people's messes for them and you're meddling in the details, um, you are operating so far below your pay grade that you are ripping your employers off. And they're like, what? How much are you paid for this? What a rip-off. And because you're doing that, you're chewing up the bandwidth which is supposed to be used for what you're paid to do, which is to think strategically and have influence and build relationships Mm -hmm. and you can't do it. And so I think that's really useful is to take whatever does drive you and hack it. However, I don't necessarily think it's the best long-term strategy because the more we feel as though we've got to justify feeling good, um, I think the more we're running away from something rather than running towards it. Mm -hmm. And my personal discomfort with these kind of conversations that you and I having is that now that, I mean, it's so good. We're talking about well-being at work. It's so good. We're talking about resilience and mental health and, and all those things. And, you know, everyone's like, Hey, go have a meditation session and a yoga. Love that. Uh, But the layer of discomfort I've got with it is that it's kind of coming with an implication that the value of doing that is to make you a more, optimal worker right it's to make you more productive it's to make you more engaged it's to make you better Mm. and the idea that we should have to justify just being a person through a lens of being a good productive little capitalist also makes me feel a bit iffy Mm, yeah and I can I can relate to that very much because I'm that person that's out there saying I'm here to help you boost your well-being and your productivity because you know I'm helping the HR manager the people and culture manager sell it to the CFO so they can go Mm -hmm. oh right we're not just doing this because it's the right thing to do and because this is what our people deserve we're we're actually doing it because it will make a difference financially so yeah I get both sides of that and I yeah I put my hand up and say I'm the one probably spreading that message as well oh shit me too like the only reason I have a platform is because professional people who are really frustrated and not necessarily coping read my stuff and go cool that makes me feel where I'm going to get back to work and so Mm. I think you can both exist inside an ecosystem and have your eyes wide open to I guess it's don't fall for your own bullshit isn't it being able to go yeah what I'm saying comes from a place of integrity um, and let's keep our eyes open about the system that we exist in because if we think we have to only draw boundaries at work or that we only have to draw boundaries so that we can be more productive or be a better parent or be a better partner, then we're kind of doing it wrong. It's it's on a shaky foundation. And so I think it's really important that when you draw a boundary, it's coming from a place of, because I'm awesome and 
I should be able to do as much of what brings me joy and fulfillment and meaning and happiness as I want. Mm-hmm. And if things are getting in the way and I feel like my balance is off, and it might be for me that I think my balance is working six days a week, and it might be for you that your balance is working one day a week, I, we're not here to make that call for you, but it's got to be coming from a place of, because that's what I want, I deserve to have it. Mm. I just do, just because I'm awesome, just because I'm alive and I exist and I'm great without having to say, because it's been a really big year or because <laughs> I've had big reports been done. Like, no, you're yeah. just awesome. Mm. I love it. Yes. Every single person listening and you are awesome. And I think that's really- yeah, And you're doing your best. Good. Everyone is listening right now and feeling like, Oh, because here's what women do. Women and high achievers in particular do this. They they dial into a podcast on boundaries and you and I start going, oh, here's how you, um, here's how you set boundaries. And the internal voice goes, oh, yeah, I've really got to get better at that. I'm just not very good at setting boundaries. I really should be better. And I'm like, oh, no, you're using this as a whip to hurt yourself with when what we're trying to say is you are doing great. You're doing the best you can with what you've got. And if you're experiencing overwhelm or resentment or depression or burnout, that is a useful piece of information that you can now use to change course. Resentment is a useful piece of information that says, oh, there's a boundary missing. There's a hole in the fence. Better patch it. It's not something to go, see, you suck at setting boundaries because that's not useful. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Now, you said that you're going to talk about taking what you call response ability rather yeah. than responsibility tell us about isn't that neat I actually the ability add, to respond add to the show notes I need to find where I got that from because I'm really uncomfortable with mm. not attributing um because it's definitely not mine I read it somewhere and went bam and then it was so common sense that it's just become part of my approach now so I have to find it because whoever decided to coin that is a bloody genius and it's probably 10 other people but essentially your responsibility and taking responsibility is all about how you choose to respond to a particular situation and it sounds so basic when you put it like that but we often misconstrue the idea of responsibility and we actually think it's about taking on things that are outside of our sphere of influence and outside of our sphere of what we should be dealing with and we're like if I'm a responsible person that means I control all the variables and I make sure everybody's looked after and I never drop the ball and I do it all whereas actually if we think about responsibility as choosing with intention how you're going to manage your time and your emotions and your behavior and your energy. And that when something comes up, you've, you've got very little ability to control the situation a lot of the time, but you've always got the ability to control how you respond Mm -hmm. is a very freeing and powerful thing. Right. Because um, I'm on a bit of a rant today. Yeah, just yeah. Give, me, give me an example. It's yeah, okay. Give me, give me an example to make it really. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking, you know how Instagram's like, Oh, um, hashtag positivity, hashtag motivation, hashtag be grateful, be blessed, and you'll be fine. And I'm like, mm, yeah, but some things are just inarguably shit. You know, if your husband cheats on you or your dog dies or you're made redundant, those things are inarguably shit. And someone saying be grateful, be blessed, not, not useful. However, Nietzsche has this idea around, um, it's a Latin phrase, amor fati where he says, love your fate. And what I love about that is the idea that, you know, that stuff 
it's happening anyway. So if somebody drops the ball and doesn't get something to you on deadline, if your kids misbehave, if you do lose your job, if you do lose money, if you do lose your husband, whatever that is, that's happened anyway. Mm. But the only thing that you've got is your ability to respond to that. And the useful thing about boundaries is they're like your values, but on legs, right? So whatever your value is, whether it's honesty or whether it's connection or integrity or whatever that value is, that's your opportunity to exercise it, right? So your responsibility is your ability in that situation to draw on what matters to you and push whatever your behavior is through that lens. And what I love about that is it's kind of irrelevant how other people behave in that situation. You just sleep better at night. Mm. And what it requires you to do, and what's hard about it, is to not try to take ownership of other people's reactions and behavior. Yeah. And it's really hard to do if it's not coming from a place of a personal value, which is why boundaries and values are so interlinked. You have to have them. Mm, mm. and I like what you said before about your personal policy you know it is it's okay my value is that I want to spend time with my family so when someone says hey can we do this meeting at 4 30 and I'm like oh it doesn't feel really good I can just go back and say actually I have a policy you know I only work until three or I have a policy of this is my family time or whatever the thing is and so it's great I think it feels like it gives you this strength to be able to just respond without all the explaining you can and the person on the other end they can then take responsibility for their bit and so they can choose whether they want to be pissy about that whether they want to go and find somebody else to have the meeting with whether they want to be understanding or reschedule or get things to you earlier or know for next time whatever they do is totally Mm. up to them they have the responsibility there yeah but you've done your bit and it's like things are all nice and neat because they're sitting in the right place. Yeah. And it reminds <laughs> me of that quote that people will always treat you the way that you allow people to treat you. So it's just oh. you are just, you know, people will always treat you the way that you allow people to treat you. And often I can just see light bulbs go off when I share that with someone and they're like, oh, you know, because we've got to take responsibility for our part in any relationship because they're always two way. Oh, God, yeah, because we um, we train people, away, eh? And from, from a work lens, um, mm-hmm. I remember dealing with a council years and years and years ago when I was doing um, consulting type work, and they were trying to change the way they did things in their building department. And like any of you who've applied for building consent recently are going to die when I tell this story. But basically, they had not just same day response time for booking an inspection from a building inspector, but they would usually get there within two or three hours. So if you rang this council and said, I'm ready for my sign off for my code of compliance, they would have an inspector on site within a couple of hours. Wow. And when I said to them, you can ask people to book, you know, two or three weeks in advance. You know, some councils, you've got to wait a month to get a building inspection. They were like, oh, no, our community would never stand for that. You know, we really pride ourselves on our excellence in customer service and our responsiveness. And um, and our just our builders would never expect that. How would they plan their work? I'm like, well, they manage it everywhere else in the country. So you've trained your local builders to expect mm-hmm. that kind of response from you. Yeah. But actually, who is that serving? Because you are, you've got building inspectors who are behind. They're here, there, and everywhere. They're not making good use of the ratepayer funding that pays part of their wages because they're driving all over the place and they're not planning their days out in sensible ways. There's heaps of time in the car. They're behind on their paperwork. So 
actually you've trained people to expect something, but if you change the policy, they will just adapt. Mm. Remember when they um remember when they said you couldn't smoke in the pub anymore, and everyone was like, "Well, this yeah. is the end of the hospitality industry. Nobody yeah. will ever go to the pub if they go. Oh, okay, it was fine." Yeah, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> we all adapt, don't we? Yeah, we we learn from what's what's pushed back. Oh, God, I noticed that you you said some interesting things about guilt and resentment. Mm. Sounds to me like you know guilt and resentment are things that I think they spring to people's mind. People feel like they don't want either. So tell me, what mm. are your thoughts on? guilt and resentment totally so obviously it would be great if we could just crack on without either of those yeah. and in the ideal world that's what we'll do we'll set our own personal policies for the way that we live and interact with others we'll be respectful about them and we won't carry guilt for making those choices for ourselves or resentment for when the lines are crossed that's the ideal world the real world as soon as our ideas collide with reality is that we're often in tricky situations where we do need to make a call and often that decision is between either sucking it up right internalizing it and resenting the situation or the other person Mm -hmm. or setting a boundary but feeling guilty about it so oftentimes it feels like those are our only two options and Gabor Maté in his book um Oh, which one is it from, actually? God, he's so good. Read everything by Gabriel Mate. It might be from When the Body Keeps the Score. Um, but Gabriel Mate says that if you're ever facing a choice between guilt and resentment, always choose the guilt because resentment is soul suicide. Mm. You know, because guilt is temporary, but resentment is toxic. It yeah. breeds and it festers and it affects your relationships long term and it you're sitting there swallowing that poison, suffering it for yourself. And the other person has no ability to shift it because you haven't given them the chance. With guilt, it feels awful to have the chat and quit your job or decline the meeting or whatever it is you need to do. But like, then it's done and you can move on and you've both got new opportunities now in that relationship to respond differently and hang out differently and make different choices. Mm. And when I first read that line, about when you're faced with the choice between them, always choose the guilt. It was, you know, when you read something or you hear something and you just get this like, oof, in your stomach and you're like, oh, that's it, isn't it? Mm. I reckon I sent that quote to 20 of my female friends as soon as I read it and just went this, this is our problem. We keep choosing resentment and then Mm. it's affecting our marriages and it's affecting our relationships with our kids and it's affecting us at work because we don't want to choose the guilt. Let's choose the guilt. And it's just, it's one of those rules of thumb that I think is so helpful when everything's, you know? Yeah. So interesting. Cause like you say, you can imagine that, oh, they don't know that I resent them, but actually they do. So it's kind of what you're saying before about the whole martyr thing, that if you have that resentment internally, you hold on to it, you build on it and it becomes this mountain. And like knowing your tells, I reckon, like knowing the information that your body's giving you or that your behavior's giving you, because sometimes you haven't figured it out yet that you're you're full of resentment. Sometimes you haven't figured it out yet, but your body will tell you. And so whether you're getting snappy, so I get quite irritable with my kids, like pick this shit up, you know, that's usually a sign to me that I've been pushed beyond my boundaries. Mm. Um, But sometimes people hide, right? And they just, they stop picking up the phone or they stop responding to emails or you know, whatever it is that it may be a sleep's affected, you're getting weird dreams, whatever your physical tell is that you're battling resentment, 
learn what that is so that when you haven't processed it yet, you can pick up on the cues from your body, I reckon. Mm. Mm. And it's just, I'm coming back to the word guilt as well, because for me, guilt, as I say, is something that's so uncomfortable that we don't enjoy it. So I'd imagine, I like what you're saying in terms of don't choose resentment, but I also feel like actually just do it and choose to let the guilt wash over you or go through you or just yeah that'd be ideal like don't even hold on to the guilt because or if you're going to profit from your pathology like we talked about before yeah reframe how guilt feels to you so that every time you feel guilty you're like well that's a good sign that means I've set a boundary check me out I'm feeling guilty awesome Yeah. yeah and especially if people are wanting to adopt this I feel like as people are listening and if you're going wow, I'm realizing this is a big challenge that at the moment, I really want to set some boundaries because I'm not at the moment, I, you know, I'm not exercising my values. Actually, as you do that, you're probably going to feel this difference. You're going to feel it, you know, it's going to maybe be guilt that comes up and you go, wow, I just said no to that person. It'll be interesting, yeah. I think, to treat it as an experiment and give so yourself like a, a physical that, high five when you that, that resentment comes up. like this internal thing. So resentment's hanging out and it's just in you, yes. right? And you're often working up all these scenarios in your head and you're trying to think about how you like, you know, you want to quit or you want to leave your boyfriend or you want to do whatever you want to do. And you've got all these worst case scenarios in your head and your brain's really unhelpful because it's like the world's going to end. If you do what you really know you should and want to, the world's going to end. But what you, you know, because you have a reference for this is actually the world's never ended before. And every time you've decided to move, or to leave your job, or to end your relationship, or whatever it is you've decided to do, Mm. it's always been fine. Like, Mm. the world is currently in a global pandemic, and it is catastrophic, and it is also fine. You're fine. Mm. You're all living in your houses, and your happy, privileged little lives, hanging out, eating your food, getting up, and going to bed again. It's fine. Even the worst thing in the world is probably okay and everything that you've survived in the past and you've got a great reference for this because you look at your timeline and you go what are all the hard decisions I've made before oh actually I'm still alive and it was fine but what's cool about guilt is it means you've taken all the inner stuff and you've given it an opportunity to breathe right it's oxidized you've put it out into the world once it's out into the world action happens you know you make a decision you know you have the chat you leave the job you sell the house whatever And then you're away. It inspires other things to happen. You've created momentum. You've got to deal with your decision by making other decisions and away you go. Like it's very action oriented and healthy and good and full of fresh air. Resentment's Mm. like all in here and you can't do anything with it because it's not even real yet. Yeah, I love that. And I I feel like people are going to listen to this and go, oh, I'm going to listen to that again because there's a lot (laughs) of depth in that for people to unpack. Yeah, so thank you so much. I just feel like I'm really quick. If people wanted to find out more about you, Alicia, mm-hmm. and the work that you do, what's the best way to connect with you? Oh, I reckon either head to my website, aliciamackay.co.nz, or follow me on LinkedIn because I'm kind of a LinkedIn nerd. I've never really picked up the other socials properly. I'm a bit lazy for it. But mm-hmm. LinkedIn is my jam. And so I post there most days. There are articles. There are useful links and pictures and stories. And so if you want to know what I'm up to or you want more kind of ranty um, and a little bit sweary life leadership and work advice, then that's a good place to start. Yeah, nice. And yeah, you are a great writer. I really enjoy reading all your articles and updates. Oh, thank so you. So if there's one final thing that you want to share with people that are listening in, oh, what would that be? 
Um, this is always my favorite question because you never know what's going to come up. Uh, probably just that um, I need you to be an awful lot nicer to yourself, you who's listening right now, because uh, what you're currently doing as you reflect on your own boundaries and your own situation is you're probably casting a bit of shade on past you. And I'm not comfortable with that because I know that past you was trying really hard and just did absolutely everything they could with what they had in front of them. So I'm not going to have you beat them up because I like them. So I'm not even telling you to be nice to yourself right now. I'm just telling you to leave past you alone because I like them and I think they're great. Mm, Nice. And I just feel like I just want to fill people in a little bit on your backstory because I know you share it really openly on LinkedIn. Can I invite you just to share a bit about you, your background as a teenager to now? Because I feel like people listen to you and they just go, wow, you must have an MBA. You must have just, you know, had this amazing, simple, easy, blessed life. Can you just glimpse into that? And isn't that interesting? Because I think language plays a big role in that. Because while I might be clearly young and bogan and whatever, um, I'm also articulate. It's one of my most useful qualities. And it means that I can walk into different rooms and different places and be able to garner some credibility as a result of language. And I think that's a real privilege and I'm really conscious of it. Uh, And I credit that to just reading my entire childhood away and I still read two books a week. So reading kids, leaders of readers. Um, But my my backstory is, I mean, the short version is that I was born in Christchurch in in New Zealand and I was born to a teen mum. I was, she was, I don't know, third or fourth generation teen mum because that tends to be how it works. I had a pretty tumultuous um, childhood and ended up in foster care. Um, was in foster care until I was 15, 16, 15 when I left and went into my own flat and started living my own life, dropped out of school, got pregnant, um, welcomed my first daughter when I was 16. Uh, I was out on my own. So at that point, I had no parents and SIPs had taken to court the release of my guardianship. So I was in this really weird situation at 16 where I literally had no guardians or, or parents and I was a parent. So that was quite interesting. And I grew up quite quickly. Um, and while I might have got into a bit of trouble, and I did, um, I also got my shit together. Again, coming from a very privileged position in that I'm smart. And I'm really lucky to be smart. I didn't choose that. I was born with that. I don't get points for that. I just had it. Um, but fortunately for me and for my family, I didn't waste it. So when I was 17, uh, I managed to sweet talk my way into the University of Canterbury, sorry if they're listening, uh, without the requisite qualifications by convincing them I was quite smart. I have my four-month-old baby in a pram next to me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really smart, you should let me in. Uh, and so they did. Mm-hmm. And I did a double degree, and along the way, between my undergrad and my postgrad, uh, I had Charlotte when I was 21, so that was my second daughter, Um and I've since then added a third daughter, three daughters. So Bailey is now 16, uh, Charlotte is 11, and Harriet is six. Um, moved to Ashburton, got a job at the council there, and that was kind of my first real career situation, right? So I left uni with a politics degree and a communications degree, and I went into policy and strategic planning. So that made sense. Um, but I did only last as an employee for like four years because they just they want you to turn up every day at 
the same time and just sit on your ass and, and wait for things to happen. And that doesn't work for me. So I guess the, the interesting part about that is I have been in business um, since I was, you know, 25 and I've been consulting since I was 25. And so what that means in terms of exposure to different environments and the amount of hustle and attunement that needs to come with living that life. And it wasn't like a hobby business. It was like, I've got a mortgage and children to feed. And at the time I had a husband on first year apprentice wages. That was not a joke. It was time to get out and make some money. Uh, so I hustled really hard. Um, and now, however many years on, I have thankfully left most of the consulting stuff behind because I got a bit bored with the tools and I'm now doing a lot of uh, really public facing stuff, writing books, speaking, uh, running training programs to take what I pulled together and make that accessible for other people because I just have this really kind of burning in a social justice warrior all the time where I'm like, well, if I know all this stuff and stuff's going wrong, well, I need to share that with everybody else. I need to make, everybody should have that. And so that's what keeps me going. Yeah, nice. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like this is the greatest backwards interview that I've ever done because I didn't ask. It was that. It was like, what do you know? And then why do you know it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I like that because so often people are like, I'm just going to fast forward through the intro, but I want to get to the content. So yeah. you've got the content, but now you've got the story. So thank you. And from a mother of three daughters to another mother of three daughters, from a from someone who skived off on exchange and also had to get a special UE entrance because I didn't yeah. do my last year of school either. Yeah, a lot of simple. You are my people, Lauren. I like it. There's not a lot you can't do with a bit of confidence and enthusiasm, eh? Yeah, and and as my husband always likes to remind me, and and I like the saying as well, is that forgiveness is sometimes easier than permission. Oh so yeah. Sometimes it's just go ahead and make it happen, and oh, it's not quite right. We'll get forgiveness, but let's just make it happen. So no, I totally agree. And I mean, I hate to be the privilege checker all the time. I'm like, I know I can ask for forgiveness because. I am, yeah, smart and bright and white and likable and female. And so I can do that. And I also know that, you know, I've got two Papua New Guinean sisters that they don't have the same um, privilege or scope to do whatever they like and get away with it. And so I both think, yep, always opt for forgiveness over permission if you're able to do that, but be very conscious of the fact that that is a privilege mm -hmm. and leave it better than you found it for the people that don't have the same privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. We could chat all day, but uh, I just really value and appreciate your time. I'm sure everyone has enjoyed hearing your thoughts around boundaries and just life in general. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It was a pleasure. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. That's been another episode of the Thrive TV show. Go out and thrive. Thank you for listening to the Thrive TV show with Lauren Parsons. Visit thrivetvshow.com to access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next inspiring episode.